This episode of Cohort W is being produced from the Windy City, Chicago, Illinois. I have asked my contemporaries on the board of directors for the Warren Officer Historical Foundation to share some of their favorite holiday memories from serving as a warrant officer. I'd like to at least foreshadow that episode by describing the idea that this year, for me, is probably one of my favorite years to serve in uniform because I've gotten to meet so many people and develop so many connections. Before beginning this week's episode, I want to share a connection of a 125 Delta who I had the privilege to meet and interview and link her to one of my former soldiers who is uh, out doing great things in shape. So thank you, Courtney. Uh, Thank you, Stephanie. And Stephanie, here comes a message to you uh, from Courtney. Hey, Stephanie. It's Courtney. I just wanted to say congratulations. You've heard me say it before, but I'm so incredibly proud of you. It's so nice to hear, uh, to meet Chief Hauser. You know, he's worked with you when you were a staff sergeant and years ago, and I knew you were doing great things at 82nd back then. I know you're still kicking butt now over in Belgium. I'm just so honored to serve with you, and then I'm going to be even more honored to be mothers with you in the future. I hope you and Fern have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I love you very much, and hopefully we get to take a picture with our babies in person down the road. I love you. Welcome to another Cohort W podcast episode, bringing you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most exciting and enterprising young warrant officer leaders. Each episode is dedicated to exploring real-life leadership in the warrant officer cohort and tackling the problems faced in large-scale combat operations and multi-domain operations. And now, here's your host. Hello! In today's episode, my incredibly excellent guest shares some personal and professional experiences as a Corps of Engineer Warrant Officer. Then we will examine how those experiences contribute to meeting doctrinal requirements for the Corps of Engineers. All Cohort W guests were recommended by senior warrant officers in their branch. Today, I am joined by Corps of Engineer Warrant Officer CW3, Courtney Diley. Thanks so much for your time today, Courtney. Can you share with the audience a little about yourself, please? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I am Chief Warrant Officer 3, Courtney Diley, originally from Northeast Ohio, actually about a small town called Elyria, 45 minutes west of Cleveland. Diehard Ohio State fan, dual military, and it's pretty unique that I'm also married to another 125 Delta. So we're in the same MOS, we're in the same branch. He is Chief Warrant Officer for David Diley. We're going on about five and a half years of marriage. I've been in the Army since 2006, enlisted from Cleveland and after I got my bachelor's degree in communications from John Carroll University, submitted my warrant officer packet in 2013, completed WOBIC in 2014, and then my first assignment was with 1st Brigade, 1st ID. We deployed in support of Operation Spartan Shield shortly after that, got home, got married, and then I went to 2nd Brigade, 25th ID. Two years later, uh, support of Sajoda OIR on a YS tasker. And then in 2019, I reported here to be the Wobic instructor for the 125 Deltas, Geospatial Engineering Technicians. As a Pennsylvania native, I will not hold the Ohio State-Penn State rivalry against you, but glad to hear that. And uh, communications background in the geospatial engineering, that's, uh, that's a big change. Can you talk to me about your MOS, MOS title, and your duty position, please? 
Yes. So I am a 125 Delta. I am a geospatial engineering technician, which can be a mouthful sometimes when you're saying you're the geospatial engineering technician, warrant officer, basic course instructor, because that's what I am right now for the U.S. Army Engineer Schoolhouse. Like I said earlier, I've been here since 2019. Uh, I'm responsible for picking up the students in day one, and then I see them through 18 to 19 weeks later, depending on how many four days we have. You know, it's a 90-day training calendar schedule and I'm responsible for taking them and helping them with that transition and preparing them for their first unit of assignment. We usually have about eight to 12 students in each class. And so I've graduated so far in four classes, 41 students across all three components. 125 Delta is uh, one of the Corps of Engineer Warrant Officers. Are there other Corps of Engineer Warrant Officers? Yes. So I'm one of two. There is also the 120 Alpha, the construction engineering technician. They are mostly responsible for project management. They also are doing base, they're helping with base camp design and planning. They get certified in OSHA at their warrant officer basic course, so in safety. And they also will report to the CASHES, so the combat support hospitals. They'll help with all of the electrical planning for those types of things. And one other key point of your branch is the amount of personnel in the various compos is not typical. Can you share with me and the audience a little bit about that, please? Absolutely. So the engineer regiment is actually really unique in that two thirds of our engineer regiment reside in compo two and three. So in our National Guard and our Army Reserves. When we're called to do a DISCA mission or when we're called to do a huge deployed mission, we do rely a lot on our component two and three if we need a lot of engineer soldiers. However, with the geospatial engineering for both our enlisted and 125 deltas, it's actually flipped. Um, We don't have the same numbers in Components 2 and 3. We're actually very heavy in Component 1. And so the geospatial engineering SMEs reside in in active duty and not so much in 2 and 3. That's important to know. We know that you're an instructor, but can you tell me what the daily work of a 125 Delta in garrison and field and training and deployment is like from your experiences, please? So it's actually not much different between garrison or field or a deployed environment. We are responsible for what is called the SSGF, Standard Shareable Geospatial Foundation. So that is your maps. That is your vector layers like roads and buildings, um, also your elevation data, as well as your imagery. And so what we're doing is we're taking all of that. We're generating that information if we don't have it. We're also managing it for the commander, for analyzing it and disseminating it in accordance with the military decision-making process. So we help the commander visualize the terrain for both the friendly and the enemy, what's advantageous to us and what's also advantageous to them. So we do a lot more than just being responsible for printing off your, your standard TM-50s. We're able to take all that information that's on that TM-50 and display it almost in a 2D or even 3D environment. That's great. And that's a perfect lead-in to our next uh, discussion topic. Can you talk to me about about how your practical work fits into what your branch does, according to doctrine, to support the warfighting functions. 
with the geospatial engineering for both 125 deltas and geospatial engineers, because us 125 deltas were not at all units, so we rely on our listed parts heavily, So such as units at like the combat aviation brigades where we don't have a 125 delta. We're all responsible for supporting actually all six warfighting functions, because every warfighting function can benefit from seeing the terrain in a different way. So for example, if we're looking at, for a protection task, decontamination sites, we're able to help the chemical subject matter experts find the most ideal decontamination sites that's close to a water, has ingress, egress routes, cover and concealment. For our fires guys, the locating PAAs, position areas for artillery, ingress and egress routes, what's the best slope gradient that they need for their weapon systems. And we can do the same thing for the enemy, so based on the enemy's capabilities. For our maneuver guys, based on our unit's capabilities, if we're an armor, striker, or light, we're determining our cross-country mobility because the most important thing to a commander is how is he getting across his battle space? And so we're determining what is most severely restricted versus restricted and where can he go and not go and and vice versa for the enemy as well. I I really appreciate that. And that dovetails into that next discussion topic very well. How does your work supporting the warfighting functions then fit into large-scale combat operations? In LISCO, geospatial engineering allows commanders and staff to visualize and understand the operational environment, enabling those terrain-based decision-making that the commander needs to do. We are able to identify terrain restriction for friendly and enemy operations, like I said earlier, but we also can assist in focusing those ISR collection to support in answering the commander's PIRs. Because just like the friendly, the enemy will use the terrain to their advantage. And so if they're going to find storage locations for a certain chemical, then we can help determine what terrain is going to be best for those storage locations. So then we can help focus our ISR assets at that location. It's not just intelligence-based decisions. We're able to influence it based off the terrain. Sure. And uh, getting into those uh, bigger issues too of offense, defense, retrograde, I, I would imagine that all the work that the the many of you 125 Deltas do all come together for those big picture decisions. Is that fair? Absolutely. When we're talking in a large scale combat operation, or if we've uh, had these large exercises recently, there were so many 125 Deltas involved because from an operational level, UCOM all the way down to the tactical level, there were so many units involved and we provide the foundation for that COP, that common operational picture that everyone needs to see and being able to use to their advantage. And so we don't want all different units using a different COP. If the UCOM commander or whoever's responsible for an exercise or a deployment is using a COP, then we need to be using the same one. Because in the active duty, we only have about 100 125 deltas. So we are a very small field and we're able to connect that way, as well as in National Guard and reserves, because we are so small and we can get that contact information and start working together on those types of bigger problems, especially when it comes to LISCO. Sure. Teamwork is needed. Being able to take your little part of the world, literally, and share it is so important for that decision-making and that planning. Wonderful to hear. Thank you. Let's talk about emerging doctrine and multi-domain operations. How does your work fit into multi-domain operations? So in multi-domain operations, geospatial engineering is able to tie each domain into a spatial construct. And I'm not talking just outer space. I'm talking spatial as in location. 
This allows the decision-making to be influenced through a visualized understanding of the multi-domain operations. Uh, continuing with that, these multi-domain task forces are very new to our force and to the geospatial community. However, we do have billets at those units. Our role is to support the battlefield visualization as much as we can from the close fight to the deep fight and syncing everything together as much as possible. Sure. Is it fair to say that your work relies a lot on satellite technology and protecting that technology is, um, uh, especially during battle, is an important thing to keep your work going? Absolutely. So we rely heavily on our satellites that are collecting geospatial information all the time. We rely heavily to collect imagery. And so from that imagery, we are able to extract geospatial information. So we're constantly updating our databases because if we have an outdated database and we're not enabling the commander to make a terrain-based decision, we're not pulling our own weight. So yes, we do rely heavily on the satellites. As far as protecting the communications of it, That's not a responsibility of ours, but just in protecting so much the integrity of the data, that is what we are responsible for. Uh, I want to shift gears here a little bit and ask you, what have you learned about or what would you like to share with the audience about your work's importance as part of the Army's mission? So the Engineer Regiment is unique in that we can tie everyone together, right? So the Engineer Regiment has geospatial engineering, combat engineering, and general engineering. And what I love about geospatial engineering is that we are able to influence both general and combat. And since I've been having to dive into doctrine more since being the WOBIC instructor and and embracing this, we support all warfighting functions because in the units, we re- usually reside in the two shops. So everyone thinks that because intelligence is responsible for terrain, then they're the terrain experts. And actually, the engineer regiment are the terrain managers in an active scenario or deployed environment. And I love supporting the engineer regiment with that. I think everyone needs a map because can't make much decisions without it, especially in the DOD. And so that's what I always say. And we're able to sync everyone together based off of that map. I love it. Everyone needs a map. Thank you. That's great. Uh, and, and, and that almost could be the answer to the next question. What would you say to a warrant officer who just graduated candidate school about either the future of your branch or just general guidance to those young warrants? So as far as the future of our branch, I would say as the DOD builds more sensors to collect that large amount of data, because the entire world, and this might not be known to everyone, is not mapped in DOD standards. And so someone is going to be responsible for managing those large volumes of data for LISCO and multi-domain operations. And I think that terrain-based decisions are going to become even more important as we're looking at some of our adversaries that have been in those countries for a very long time. And as far as, well, I'd say to someone who just graduated candidate school and is probably preparing for Wobick, dig into doctrine, use this time to make mistakes, learn your branch, but also learn other branches. So many people still don't even know that we exist as 125 Deltas and that we are the train experts and just get out of your comfort zone. I tell my students to get comfortable with the uncomfortable and really embrace that for the next six to eight years. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, I I appreciate your time today. It's great to hear warrant officers talking about doctrine. Thank you for sharing how the work of warrant officers in your branch contributes to meeting those doctrinal requirements for the Corps of Engineers. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, sir. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.
On behalf of the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation, thank you to today's guest for your insights on the future of warfare and the importance of the Warrant Officer to that fight. Please visit warrantofficerhistory.org to learn more about how you can help support the Foundation in programs like this. Special thanks to our theme music composer, Josh DiStefano. Visit joshdestefano.com to hear more of his outstanding works.